This is Dave Brown, and welcome to the Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. As an adventure therapy nonprofit organization, we cater to frontline workers, especially those in the public safety and healthcare sectors. On this podcast, we cover relevant topics to public safety and our frontline workers' overall health by exploring the mental health benefits gained through outdoor recreation, leadership development, and self-improvement. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. If you're looking for more information about Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Um, Thanks for listening once again. And if you subscribed, we really appreciate it. That actually helps us out quite a bit in um, kind of spreading what we're about as Frontline Freedom because of algorithms or things that I don't actually understand how they work. So without further ado, I want to jump into what this podcast topic is about this week. And it's really about friendship and why that's important to our mental health and um, some of the shortcomings and how it leads to loneliness. And it kind of stems from an article that I, I stumbled upon that referenced a lot of um, journal entries from separate universities. So I'll save you all the boring stuff and just kind of hit the highlights about friendships and loneliness. So when we look at friendships, we tend to have two categories. We have we have our friends who we, you know, air quotes, we consider friends. And then we have our close friends And then I guess if you really want to get down to it, because we will talk about this later, there's actually a third group, and that's our social media friends, so our our Facebook friends, our Twitter followers, Instagram followers, whatever the case may be. I don't know all the different platforms out there, but you get the idea. So when we look at our air quote friends, um, the human brain is actually only able to sustain 150 meaningful relationships. So that means out of your entire friend list, only 150 of those are you really able to keep track of and know something intimately about so that if you ran into them on the street without talking to them for a while, you'll know enough about them to have a a good, healthy conversation. So we'll come back to that here in a little bit, but I want to jump to close friends. And close friends are those people that you see pretty frequently, you know a lot about, you know things intimately about um, their relationships. You know, you might know things about uh, them and their spouse. You might know their background, how they grew up, what they do for a living. You know, we know these people. And the whole point of this podcast is the fact that there's a trend in the United States um, where people are kind of losing close friends and are switching to more of an acquaintance model and why that's bad. So roughly 25 years ago, there was a, a, a poll that went out, um, you know, one of these Gallup polls where they just call random people in, and ask them a question. And they, they asked about if you have people that you would consider close friends. And at the time, there were only about 3% of respondents that said they didn't have close friends. And, you know, at the time, it was generally acceptable that, you know, we, we know people who are kind of shut-ins or they might have some kind of um, mental health struggle, which, you know, maybe schizophrenia, which makes them kind of isolated from society. So that really wasn't out of the norm or raise any eyebrows then. However, before the pandemic hit, they revisited this study, and that's important to keep in mind that it's before the pandemic. They revisited this same survey and sent it back out, but this time, um, 12% of respondents said that they didn't have any close friends. 
which is a huge increase. And that's pre-pandemic. And, you know, obviously the evidence suggests that loneliness and isolation have since increased since the pandemic. Um, Maybe not as much for frontline workers because most of us still kept going to work. So a lot of our social connections uh, stayed intact. Whereas, you know, if you worked in corporate or some other non-frontline job, you probably were working from home. So led to more of that isolation. So at this point, you're probably asking yourself, okay, why does it really matter that we've seen an increase from 3% to 12% in people who don't have close friends? You know, with social media, um, I have a lot of people that I stay in touch with or, you know, I see what's going on so I don't feel isolated. Well, the reality is is this, is that um, according to a 2010 study at the... University of Brigham, or excuse me, Brigham Young University in Utah, um, loneliness is as harmful to your physical health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And if you don't have close friendships, roughly five, and we'll get into a little bit more about why five here in a minute, but if you don't have that as kind of your baseline, you are in that somewhat leaning towards the loneliness phase, and you might not even realize it. So if you go back to my intro, we'll talk about how it impacts loneliness. And there's kind of a new way of looking at loneliness, which I'm glad I found because I've seen some of it in myself, and it makes perfect sense. So I digress. We'll continue on. So like I stated before, uh, human beings are only capable of roughly 150 um, meaningful relationships. And that was the original numbers that came. They they refer to it as Dunbar's number because that was the original researcher that put that into context. Now, fast forward, um, subsequent research has kind of increased that number a little bit as we've gotten a little bit more complex. Again, social media had a little bit of an impact, but no studies have really shown it to be more than 200. So we're not talking a huge gain in what we are actually able to accomplish and why that's important to learn. Loneliness is because a lot of people will point back to their friends list on Facebook and say, well, I've got this many friends on Facebook, so, you know, I'm not lonely. I have friends. But when they did this research, they found that anything over that 150, that core group of friends, the 150 to 200, excuse me, um, anything more than that is really no more beneficial to your mental health than following strangers on social media. So it's literally... Um, The same as following a celebrity on Twitter. You don't know this person. You're just following because you occasionally like their tweets, but it doesn't bring any value in terms of mental health or or loneliness and kind of staving off that um, mental health negativity from not having close friends. And the scary thing about the negativity that we talk about with loneliness is that it's actually linked to higher levels of anxiety, heart disease, and stroke. So when you look at what we talk about at Frontline Freedom as you know PTS-type uh, symptoms, anxiety, depression, those all kind of fall in line with this other studies or the other studies about loneliness. And so it almost has this compounding effect. You've been in an incident, you work in an isolating career because we've talked about on other podcast episodes, particularly in law enforcement, um, there's not a lot of friends outside of that. So if you don't feel like you can talk to uh, friends within the profession, uh, you know, due to you know fear of judgment or whatever, you've since isolated yourself a little bit more. You're already feeling anxious. You're already feeling depressed. Um, you know, which is increasing you uh, your risk of heart disease in of itself. And now you have this loneliness factor, which just compounds it up even more. So that's that's why this is kind of an important topic. So I alluded earlier to a new way of looking at what loneliness is because I think. Until I read this article, loneliness to me was, okay, I feel alone, 
Um, I start to slip into a depression. Um, I feel like there's nowhere to turn. I don't have anyone to talk to. And that's kind of the classical sense of what most of us probably think being alone or the feeling of loneliness is. However, this new set of research is kind of looking at it in an entirely different way. So if you've ever felt like you're starting to lose your identity or maybe you don't do some of the things that you used to do. Those are actually warning signs of loneliness. Um, and as it progresses through that just initial, huh, I don't feel like I used to do the things that I wanted to. And, and, and I hear people joke about this all the time, especially um, parents. They'll say, you know, I used to be cool. I used to do X, Y, and Z, and now I don't because I'm focused on my family, which is great and it's very needed, but you can't lose yourself in the process. And I think that sometimes, you know, with the way that kids' sports are these days, it's a lot more time commitment than probably what our parents have had um, when you look at the amount of time spent during you know soccer season in and of itself I had maybe one practice a week for the first two or three weeks and then it was just a game on Saturday once a week and that was it now you know unfortunately kids are practicing two three times a week plus games and then travel tournaments that are out of state so it's very hard to make that balance so as we transition from okay I don't do the things I used to do um, I feel like I've lost a little bit of my identity. Then we start to naturally look at what other people are doing. And this is usually not a conscious thing that we do. We just start feeling left out. Um, and this is where social media really backfires on us because what we'll do is we'll look at the pictures that other people have posted and we'll, f you know, that, that FOMO that goes around the fear of missing out. You start to feel, man, I wish I could have gone there and done that this weekend. Or, you know, you joke with your friends like, oh, I guess my invite got lost in the mail. Well, those are signals that you're starting to become lonely and it's you know there's a whole lot of science that goes into that but um, basically it boils down to this humans have uh, an innate desire to want to be part of the group it's because you know before we had modern technology and houses and things like that we lived in communities and everyone kind of had to band together for resources in order to survive and that is kind of linked into our dna and it's never gone away that feeling that we need to be part of the group so Social media kind of made that backfire on us because now when we start to feel a little bit of lonely, we scroll Instagram, we scroll Twitter, we scroll Facebook, whatever it is, and we start to see other people that look like they're living their best lives and kind of forget that the snapshot that we're seeing is just one small second out of their day. It's not the reality in most cases. I know anytime I post something, it's not it's not my bad times. It's always me having fun with the kids, having fun with family. You know, look at this cool thing I'm looking at. You know, whatever the case may be, it's not what is incumbent upon what goes into making my life the reality. So if you're starting to feel those, you know, feelings of losing your identity, it's really linked because we typically do activities with our close friends. And as we lose our close friends, and maybe we didn't realize it over time, we stop doing X, Y, and Z. So if you love to golf with your buddy and you went out two to three times a week and now all of a sudden you're not golfing anymore, chances are you're not seeing that old friend two to three times a week like you used to. So that's where that kind of um, starts going to. So I kind of want to shift and look at how to build new friendships if you feel like you've lost your old friendships. So... When we talk about close friendships, you're talking um, people that you know a lot of detail about. It's more than just the, 
hey, how's the weather today? What, you know, especially if you're in the Midwest, that's what we always talk about the weather because there's always a follow up joke for Midwesterners. Well, just wait five minutes, it changes, you know, the whole gamut. But that's the kind of talk that we have with people who aren't really our close friends. Our close friends, when we talk to them, we're, we're talking about real stuff because we know them intimately. We know their background. We know how they think, how they feel because they're probably very similar to us. Unfortunately, that takes 200 hours of seeing that person and not just online. I'm, I'm talking face to face. Um, living life, um, you know, just going and doing whatever it is that you want to do. If you're a golfer, then it means going golfing. If you're a hiker, then it means going hiking. If it, if you're a fly fisher, then it means going fishing. It's whatever that is. It's 200 hours to develop that close bond with somebody. And here's where the struggle starts because we alluded to it earlier that it's incredibly hard, especially for people with families, which most people listening to this podcast probably have a family, so it becomes really hard to then balance. And I don't have the research to back up how to make this work perfectly. I wish I did because if you start Googling how to balance family with relationships, it's it's all over the place. So rather than try to go down that rabbit hole, I'll kind of tell you what has worked for me. And I've seen it in other forums and other research, but it starts with a conversation and you know, obviously my wife sits on the board for frontline freedom. So she believes in this mission. She understands this mission. So it's very easy for me to have these kind of talks with her. So when we talk about our needs, it's a very open conversation. If I tell her that I'm feeling, you know, um, like I'm starting to cut myself off from the world, she will do everything in her power to make sure that I have an outlet. You know, if that's planning a day where, you know, she grabs the kids and goes, has fun with grandma at the zoo and gives me, you know, just a day to myself to go motorcycling, go hiking, whatever the case may be. She's good for that. I reciprocate that obviously, but it, it all starts with that communication. And what I've seen in, um, in this week, I called some people and asked them if they've ever had these conversations. And there's a lot of hesitancy that I, I got, which I wasn't uh, expecting, I guess, is how hard it is to talk to spouses about our needs. And I think it's because we want to please people. So it's not... It's, it's looking at it from a different angle. We're, we're not going into it with, hey, I want to be selfish. It's I, I kind of need this mental mental break. So we have to find a way to break through with that um, and have an open and honest conversation. And that's kind of how it starts. So going back to this research, seeing what it takes to have close friends. Um, you know, again, I, I'm very fortunate with having an incredibly understanding spouse. Um, and she read the same article and, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that it suggests in this article we've already incorporated into our marriage, but it really comes down to kind of scheduling time. So um, it's, it's not uncommon for her to have a night, um, you know, after the kiddos go to bed that she goes and hangs out with her girlfriends and they have a few hours and, you know, they do whatever they want to do. And sometimes it's going to get their nails done. Sometimes it's just, you know, enjoying each other's company, having a glass of wine, whatever they do, that's, that's fine. And the same thing for me, um, you know, it's not uncommon for a night or two a week for me to walk over to the neighbor's house and just talk about life and just hang out. And the important thing is, is that we, we don't isolate from each other. So there's always one night a week where we have a babysitter where the two of us are together and it's just her and I, because we can't, I can't build these other relationships and and neglect my spouse. That's not going to work. That's also not going to, to, to make my mental health any better whatsoever. So Again, I don't have a ton of research to back all these things up, but I know that it starts with a conversation, and I know that it takes being open and honest with people, and I hope that for everybody, um, you can find a way to approach that 
so that you can schedule time in with your friends. And if you look through the Frontline Freedom article section, um, I kind of posted an article a few months back about scheduling friendships and how important that was. And I think this is kind of more of the same. Um, If you can't see that person face-to-face, the next best thing is to call them because calling somebody is better than not seeing them at all. So um, there are times where I will put on my calendar, and this is this is in the article as well, that um, you know, 30 minutes blocked out, and I'll just put a name in there. I'm calling this person, and we're just going to check in. Um, that kind of became commonplace during the pandemic because not all of my friends were frontline workers. So some of them were sitting at home by themselves or you know, trying to figure out how to make it work in, in this new environment that seems to be going away now, which is great. But um, sometimes we do need to take that time to schedule interactions with people just to make sure that we maintain those healthy friendships because, you know, on average, we need five. They did a big survey. Some people think it's three. Some people it's six or seven. The average is about five people that we need to have in our close circle. So whatever we can do to keep that, um, those relationships going and keep ourselves healthy, because at the end of the day, we're all going to retire, and the only thing that's going to be left is the connections that we've made with other people. And we can't sacrifice our, our families' relationships and our spouse relationships, but we need to make sure that we're putting in the effort to maintain what we have or build new relationships if we don't already have them. Um, because it's really important to our mental health. At the end of the day, we talked about how it's uh, loneliness is linked to anxiety, depression, heart disease, stroke. The list goes on. So... As always, thank you for listening so much. Um, If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And please stay safe and take care of one another. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy Podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share, send us an email at podcast at frontlinefreedom.org. And if you're looking for more information on Frontline Freedom Adventure Therapy trips, check out our website at www.frontlinefreedom.org.